Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Having a bleak, dreary Christmas. No snow on the ground like the northern water tribe in the North Pole. Well, hang in there, because we are back with your favorite avatar, the last Airbender Rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Zach Muhammad, and as always, I'm joined by my compadre, Jacob Redman. Jacob, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking forward to 2021, and I'm looking forward to book two of the Avatar The Last Airbender. Things are looking up here. Uh, how are you doing, Zach? Good, yeah. I'm excited to get into this podcast. We talked a little bit about our Christmases offline. Uh, I'm just excited to move on from the holidays and get straight into <laughs> season two of Avatar. But for that, yeah. I mean, we finally finished season one. What a, I told even on the last episode, I said it. It was like it feels like we just recorded episode one, book one last week, and now here we are at the end of our season one. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's really flown by. It's crazy. Like when you look at book one, there's so many uh, episodes. It's like 20 episodes. I think we had 19 podcasts in there. But yeah, we made it through them all. And I feel like, uh, you know, we've grown just as much as Team Avatar has from when they started. No, true. I feel like when you listen to our old episodes, we were still or our old podcast. We were still finding our way a little bit. But then as we continued on, we got better chemistry, talked about some better episodes, talked about some stinkers, <laughs> talked about a lot of stuff, <laughs> made a lot of jokes. And uh, yeah, it's a good time. And I had a lot of fun doing this podcast with you. And I'm excited for what's to come going forward. Yeah, for sure. Before we get too far into it, mm-hmm. uh, I have to say that there's something that's been living rent-free in my head for about a week now. <laughs> okay, spit. Uh, Avatar has a bunch of portmanteau animals, and these portmanteau animals are like, you know, combinations of two different things. And I have to say, I found one in real life. Okay. Uh, I was scrolling through TikTok, and I saw a thing called a leaf sheep. Uh, I'll show Zach here on the podcast so that he can see it. Uh, okay. And I'll, I'll have... Uh, yeah, anyone can Google this. It's like a leaf sheep. It's a really small organism in the ocean, and it looks like a plant and a sheep just combined. And it is like it's in my all my thoughts. So I guess uh, if I can describe, because this is my first time seeing this, so I'll try to describe it for the people who are too lazy to look it up. So it looks almost like a caterpillar moth slug type thing with like mm-hmm. almost leaves shooting out of it almost like the leaves are like porcupine quills it's like these green like fern like leaves coming out of it i don't know like i get why it looks a little sheep like but to me that doesn't scream sheep even though it's called a leaf sheep it just screams yeah, more guess, like sea creature yeah it, maybe it's more like leaf slug um but for some reason like it looks so much like a plant uh it's great with camouflage but i don't know why this thing has just been like occupying my thoughts and i really feel like it belongs on the avatar universe so i'm just gonna pretend it's there <laughs> yeah okay you, know, you could just insert into the background just like aj thought he saw wobbuff at one time maybe you'll just think you're seeing <laughs> leaf sheep all over the place 
Uh, honestly, I would love to. Uh, I think that they're slowly becoming some of my favorite animals. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> watch out. Uh, you might hear a bunch more about leaf sheep. I'm uh, I'm getting a little bit little bit into it here, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to <laughs> break it's, down. <laughs> it's just funny. I, I didn't think to... this is where we were going with the TikTok and the leaf sheet, but I feel like we usually have interesting openings to episodes when we're not talking about the weather in our respective cities. <laughs> we usually go on to some out there topic, and this week it's leaf sheep, so we'll go with that. <laughs> hey, well, this whole episode is about to be an out there topic. Uh, maybe just a walk through the agenda that we have. I think we're going to Talk about the uh, season one, go through our thoughts, and then we have a bit of an award show. Uh, we have, uh, we're going to sort people onto a, uh, our team. We've uh, gone through this a few times now. We're going to talk about who's on our starting five for our basketball team, uh, listener feedback, and we're going to talk about what we're excited for for season two. So this whole episode, Zach, is about to just be a mishmash of various things. So uh, get get ready. Yeah, no, I'm excited. And I want to give a lot of credit to Jacob. In the middle of the week, he conceptualized almost all of this. He came up with the idea for an award show. He messaged me and I was like, damn, that's a great idea. I wish I thought of it. <laughs> that was my response when Jacob sent on me, sent me all this stuff. And now I'm really excited to get into this. And the, I feel like Jacob's podcast format, this is a great vehicle for like the goofy stuff we usually get into. So I feel like there's a lot of room to make a lot of jokes. So I'm excited. So where do you want to start, my friend? Uh, yeah, I think maybe we should just start. Uh, like it feels like it's been so long since we've uh, talked about the first few episodes. True. I think is there anything uh, now that you're thinking back on the first few episodes that you think that we might have missed out on? Uh, in particular, like I think that uh, like maybe I didn't think uh, or I didn't really appreciate how far Aang comes. I know we talked a lot about the growth that we see in Katara and the growth that we see in Sokka, but I think Aang's grown more than we give him credit for. Yeah, I feel like er in the early episodes, in a couple of them, there's a lot of feedback where it's like, is Aang always like this? Why is Aang not acting the way we normally see Aang? And I think a lot of people, when they rewatch Avatar, myself included, they kind of pick the highlights. So we pick the season, best of season two, best of season three, best of season one. But going through this uh, rerun or rewatch, we kind of see Aang at his lowest. We see Aang not making the best decisions. And to your point, we do see Aang grow and develop into a more mature individual who's capable of handling the all the pressure put on him from such a young age. And yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of growth, especially in the early episodes when we see him messing up all over the place, just <laughs> not, not being like the great leader and like hero we, we come to know. So that's a very good point on your part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, I, I totally agreed that I think like, uh, you know, the first thing that I noticed when I rewatched the uh, pilot is how different Sokka is. Same, uh, I think it's because like the, the character that Sokka is before is like really annoying, uh, like not someone that I like. And I remember liking Sokka a lot. But I think that, uh, yeah, like we might have underappreciated the growth that we saw from Aang as well. So I, I think that's important to point out uh, as we get started yeah. here. Something I noticed from the early episodes is like there's actually a really good run of episodes I've thought. I was always one. You know, I've talked about this where like never really would give season one a rewatch, would never give it like what it deserved. But I really feel like. From episode, I want to say like four to episode seven, for example, that's a really good three episode stretch, I think. You have the Warriors of Kiyoshi, King of Omashu, and Imprisoned, and I thoroughly enjoyed all of those episodes upon a rewatch. 
And like even Imprisoned, for example, is an episode that I normally don't even revisit. Like I've revisited King of Omashu a bunch. I like Boomy a lot. He's one of my favorite side characters. So I've watched him and Egg battle a bunch. But yeah, Imprisoned was an episode I really never paid too much attention to until we podcasted about it. I was like, damn, like Haru and his father and the guitar stuff and the old man who turned on them. And I remember just hating that old man on my rewatch and be like, damn, you <laughs> old man, you old coot. I want to like punch him in the face. I remember talking about that on the podcast. And I thought not only was that a great episode upon rewatch, but I also enjoyed like chapter six was not, I was like, okay, damn, I think me and Jacob got something here. I think we got a really fun podcast where we bounced off each other really well. So not only did I enjoy yeah. that episode upon a rewatch, I thought that was also when we kind of found our footing as podcasters so now that episode has more sentimental value to me than it normally would have yeah no i i I completely agree with that i think it's interesting if you look back at our episode rankings as a guide from like how much we like the episodes Mm -hmm. and it starts with like uh you know some 3.4s in there and then uh, it dips a bit for the southern air temple but you're totally right that four five and six run is really good Mm -hmm. uh like like the king of omashu we gave it 3.6 and imprisoned is our highest episode uh out of all of season one so like maybe a, a question for you zach like what do you think that uh like makes imprisoned so good that it sets it apart from even like the more epic episodes like the siege of the north or even the waterbending master which gets so much praise that's a good question and i don't really have answer prepared necessarily but i think for me what i loved about imprisoned a it had really good pacing i feel like there's not really too much zuko and iroh in that episode it mostly focuses yeah. on ang katar and Sokka. and one of the criticisms you've had of the early episodes which were very fair was a lot of the cross cuts kind of like takes you out of it you're going back from zuko to iroh back to ang and katar and Sokka, back and back and forth back and forth which i don't like this episode didn't have too much of that and also the story i think the episodes where they have these side characters in these one episode arcs that when we have these side characters that are like actually interesting in a way they're not boring they're actually entertaining and i thought haru and his struggle with fighting the earth bending like just in this small episode they had such an impactful story i i still can see clearly in my head i see katara waking up and realizing how haru is gone and the single tear falling down her mm. cheek yeah. so even now there's things i can still picture in my head clearly from that episode and full disclosure i'm a pretty forgetful guy <laughs> like, <laughs> i forget a lot of things on like about a lot of tv shows so the fact is i've only seen this episode like two or three times and a lot of it is still just very ingrained into my memory so and i just it's just such a great one episode story and arc yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that uh, like the Katara Luther King, as we called it at the time, is is really good. Like the writing uh, is yes. really great, very well you have a great, episode. Yeah. yeah, you have a great villain that's there for uh, one episode in mm-hmm. the Warden, and I think that it is a really fun episode. And I actually think that it it deserves a spot as the best episode of I season agree. one. Do yeah. you agree? Looking back on it, yeah, I think honestly, and I guess I can just get into this now. I think there's a couple episodes where I was a little too high on. We might talk about it later, and I might have already talked about it on previous podcasts, but <laughs> not to spoil what we're getting into. But yeah, there's some episodes I might have been a little too high on. In prison, on the other hand, what did I, Jacob, you have the rankings open. I think I gave it a four. I was very high on it, or I gave it like a 3.8 or something. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have your rating for yeah, the yeah, episodes don't, don't, don't that, worry about but it. I That's believe, fine. yeah, yeah the, I get, the I get overall some- ranking was a, 
uh, 3.73. Yeah, I must have given it a very high score, my highest of this episode of the series. And you know what? I think it deserves it. I think it deserves that top spot. I think the finale is really good, and there are some standout episodes of season one. But for me, Imprisoned captured almost everything I want in an Avatar episode. Pretty much everything, actually. You have this rebellion, you have Katara Luther King, you have this evil warden. It had good comedy with the warden and his prisoners and stuff. Like the Fire Nation lackeys that we talk about constantly. So, yeah. It had everything I wanted in an episode of Avatar, and I think it deserved the score, the highest score. Some other episodes, on yeah. the other hand, I wish I could have given them lower scores, but what can you do? That's fair. Yeah, Zach, you did give that one a four. That's uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I figured, think I, I kind of, I assumed I gave it a four, and I, I think yeah. that holds up for me, honestly. Like, I know I might be throwing out fours willy-nilly for some of these fights <laughs> and episodes, but I feel like if I really enjoy it and I don't see any obvious flaws and it deserves a four, I'm not going to dilly-dally with this 3.9, 3.8 stuff. A four is a four. <laughs> <laughs> Just get right to exactly. it. I mean, why, why exactly. tease us with the 3.9? Uh, yeah, one other thing I want to touch on in the early episodes, I think there are lots of good fights, uh, lots of fights over mm-hmm. that like 3.5 thresholds. We have Aang escaping the ship in the second episode, the Zuko and Zhao Agni Kai, and the Aang and Boomy fight. All of these got really high marks. And I think that this just is a testament to how exciting it is to see the fighting. Uh, like the fighting in uh, Avatar The Last Airbender is different from any other thing mm-hmm. that uh, you've seen. I've been watching a lot of Mandalorian and a lot of those fights like seem uh, like pretty similar. Uh, are you a big Mandalorian guy, Zach? Not necessarily. I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy, sure. but if you want to have any minor spoilers, I don't care, but you should preface it for the listeners. You want to talk about any Mando no, no, fights? No, okay, no, perfect. Nah, no, yeah, yeah. no spoilers okay, there. I'm not okay. trying to freak anyone oh. out there, but I do, <laughs> I do think that like a lot of the fighting in that universe is like pretty much the same, uh, same sort of thing. The Avatar universe is so creative. I think those fights are just fascinating to watch. And yeah. it's interesting, the director from about half the episodes of uh, Aang in there, or sorry, Avatar The Last Airbender, <laughs> not, not yeah, Aang yeah. in there, not, not directed here, uh, is the same person from Mandalorian. He's an executive producer. Dave Filoni, there, so thought, is that who you're talking yeah, about? Totally. Yeah, because my friends were watching The Mandalorian. I noticed in the credits, I was like, oh, directed or written by Dave Filoni. I was like, I know that name. Because <laughs> every time we yeah. do the episode crop, you have to write like, oh, written by Dave Filoni. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even watch Mandalorian necessarily, but I did pick up on that. So that is really cool. And yeah, to go on to your point about the fights in Avatar, I feel like a lot of Avatar really jumps up a season two. I think the writing gets a lot better. I think the animation gets a lot better. But I think the fight choreography and the fight animation is something that is amazing in season one, is amazing in season two, and is amazing in season three. Like it's super consistent with how, the job they do when it comes to these fights in Avatar. Cause you're right. There was a lot of fights early in these episodes that I forgot about that did not like that. I was like, whoa, this is like a really good fight, honestly. And an, an example of that actually, this is an episode that I did not like on a rewatch at all, but the saving <laughs> grace of this episode, Bato of the Water Tribe, was the fight between Zuko and Aang. And I thought what Aang was doing on top of the well and Zuko hitting him and stuff, I thought that was such an innovative and unique fight that I've never seen done in any other television series quite like that. So you, I think you are absolutely correct when you say that the fighting in Avatar is consistent through out. And even in season one, you can see they really have this attention to detail when it comes to these fights that a lot of even mature animated series and um, actual sit like actual pro- have real big produced shows don't even have. So I agree with everything yeah. you're saying. Yeah, I think it's funny uh, when we look at our best episode of the season, Imprisoned, it has one of the worst fights. We rank the Prisoner's Revolt a 2.33. And then 
uh, Bottom of the Water Tribe, which we are not big fans of here on this podcast, our worst ranked episode, had one of the better fights, uh, the fight in the Abbey at a 3.62. I think it's funny that uh, even though we've just gone on about how great the fights are, it's nice to know that uh, a fight alone cannot make an episode. I think if I can explain that phenomenon, I think what it is is like when an episode is very well written and has a very cohesive plot it doesn't necessarily need like a big five ten minute battle at the end of a 22 minute episode necessarily but then when there's an episode that's not written as well which i've kind of seen with some of these uh season one episodes very rarely though avatar's writing is pretty consistent throughout then it's like okay i feel like sometimes the writers are like well if we have a big fight at the end here then that can like save the episode in a way so while a good fight can enhance an episode. It can also be the saving grace of an episode as well. Where if, whereas if the episode is not too great and it's got a great fight at the end and like makes it a little more bearable, in my opinion. I actually think that is a great explanation of it. Mm-hmm. I had not considered that before, but yeah, I think that uh, with an episode that's like poorly written, there's a lot of time for an epic fight, and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, maybe if we can like keep moving on a little bit further into mm-hmm. the season, I know we're jumping around a bunch. No worries, but yeah. I know. The the Great Divide gets a lot of crap. And that's an episode that we weren't as down on, I think, as I expected us to be. Um, so, like, maybe, like, I know that it was overplayed a bunch on Nickelodeon and people might just be tired of it. But, like, maybe do you want to defend The Great Divide or, like, make a case for why it's a bad episode? Or, uh, like, what what what's your actual stance once we're... I mean, I, mean, uh, I, t- I talked about my actual stance when we did our podcast, but I maintain this. The, the thing with The Great Divide is that if for anybody who's watched anime listening to it, The Great Divide is a filler episode. It does not provide much in terms of actual plot progression. It is mostly just a vehicle for the gang to travel and have some shenanigans with, I think it was the Zhang tribe and what was the other tribe? I the Zhao tribe? The Ganjin, I think it was. The oh, Zhang, yeah, yeah, the the Zhang Gan- and Ganjin. The Zhang and the Ganjin. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I think, like, of course, for me, if I was a child and I saw this episode on TV 10 times, I would, it would get tired of it. I could see why the audience does not necessarily love it. But for me, I really enjoyed the comedy. As somebody who hates long, drawn out filler arcs, I was kind of happy with the fact that, okay, just one episode. It's not like we have 10 episodes of the Zhang and the Ganjin. And honestly, Avatar does have pretty good writing and the comedy I thought was pretty funny coupled that with the fact that we had Amon on that podcast and I thought Amon had really interesting unique viewpoints I wouldn't have otherwise like Amon brought some seriousness I thought in a way to our goofy little endeavor so I <laughs> for that I had a great time podcasting about it and I just enjoyed it on rewatch I watched it twice and like I don't know for me I love when there's somebody super bougie and somebody super low class. I like that dynamic <laughs> in comedies. I always think it makes for pretty funny. I almost always find myself relating to like the lower class people in a way. Maybe that's just how, how I view myself, but those are usually the people I'm rooting for. That's why I kind of took the strong Zhang, pro Zhang stance very, on that podcast. <laughs> if you remember, and I love like the little Rosie O'Donnell leader of their tribe. So like, like I said, like even that episode while may not be the best there's still like things i can picture in my hand i really like the animation techniques they use for that as well when they're doing the final story with the guy down the orb i like from the zhang's perspective it had one style of animation whereas from the ganjin's perspective they had the other style of animation and they blended those together so i thought while it might not be the most well-written episode i thought there was some 
unique. I thought the humor was the humor landed for me as well as the animators. I really think took some swings and I think they landed. It kind of sucks. I feel like maybe they didn't go back to like that animating style because they were like, Oh, this episode didn't do well, which kind of disappointing because that episode landed for me, but can't say the same for everybody else. What about you? You probably have some thoughts on the great divide as well. I feel like most of my thoughts on it already known. So feel free to speak your piece here. Yeah. So, well, first off, I, I think that mentioning how fun the podcast was is uh, is mm-hmm. a great thing to go back to. Like, it was so much fun with Amon. I think Amon came on with, like, really good insight. Yeah, uh, I agree. Like, I know, you know, like, we, we've had our moments where we have uh, some stuff. Like, your <laughs> really? a, your, uh, your breakdown of the pawn metaphor in the deserter episode was great. Oh, or the ocean oh what a nice guy Jacob is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that Amon did a great job mm-hmm. there to, uh, to, like, really make that episode clear. I think that uh, it gets a bad rap. I think that these episodes, th- there are so many other episodes that are just as filler that could be replaced. I mean, if you go through the list of episodes in, uh, like in that run, you have The Great Divide, The Storm, The Fortune Teller, Bottom of the Water Tribe. None of those are important. Like even the Waterbending Scroll, uh, episode nine, not that useful. True, I, I, think I, that I like gets... the Waterbending Scroll. You're right. But I mean, you're right that it's not useful, but I still enjoy that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I just think that, uh, you know, we have another episode where the, the team avatar runs into an old person who's a bit kooky, uh, has some fun adventures and gets through the episode with a few jokes. I think that you've had a good avatar episode. So I think it gets unwarranted hate. And I think uh, we're about to get to an episode which you think deserves more hate uh, coming up in a few, which is Bottle of the Water Tribe. Anything to say about the storm, the blue spirit, fortune teller before we get into Bottle of the Water Tribe? Let's, let's get into the blue spirit first. I mean, the storm okay. and fortune teller, don't get me wrong. They're good episodes. I enjoyed the fortune teller. I think we had Audrey Sizemore on that episode. I think the fortune yes. teller, honestly, for that, I think I was lower on that episode than I was the Great Divide. And I think the podcast with Audrey kind of saved that episode for me because I was not as high on it as I was some other episodes in this in this little run. And while I did enjoy the story of Meng and Aunt Who, no Aunt Wu, I, <laughs> I overall, and <Ew. laughs> who, who, who are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Overall, I just, I don't know. That episode did not really resonate with me. I think fortune teller might be one of my like bottom five episodes from season one, if I'm being honest, whereas the storm and uh, the blue spirit, I feel like are almost a turning point in the series in a way. I feel like that's when the series really comes into its own, really develops its stride. And even though I preferred Imprisoned on this rewatch, I feel like the Blue Spirit is when Avatar really is like, whoa, like that's when you're like, okay, Avatar is a great show with all the Zuko and Aang stuff in that episode. Yeah, I, I think the storm is actually uh, probably an underrated episode, even by me when we are going through it, because mm-hmm. the storm really does a lot to set up the like motivations and the characters for the rest of season one. I feel like without the storm, uh, like being where it is, the blue spirit doesn't come off very well. And then it doesn't make a lot of sense when like Aang is saving Zuko at the end of season one. I I, I feel like, yeah, I agree. And I think like the storm and blue spirit, I've always in my head kind of seen them as a two parter, even though they're kind of not in a way, but I just feel like a lot of what happens in the storm ends up coming into the blue spirit. Cause if I'm, if I remember correctly, a lot of the storm was like Zuko talking about his father and one of them having to him. And it shows like the Ozai Agni Kai flash flashback and uh yeah i feel like a lot of that ends up coming into play with the blue spirit and him and ang and their dynamic and i guess is there would you want to save this for the end but we could get into sarah's feedback as well now here if you'd like because i feel like it kind of it kind of pertains to what we're talking about 
Yeah, no, it definitely does. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. if you want to get into it now, I think we definitely should. Mm-hmm. Sarah mm-hmm. wrote in uh, with some great Sarah, feedback. Pro- prolific, breaking down. prolific uh, writer and and writer and <laughs> what horrible grammar on my part. But yeah, Sarah's <laughs> Sarah's written in a lot of feedback. We really, really, we really appreciate you as a fan, Sarah. So thanks for being a loyal Ang in there, listener. But yeah, if you want to dive into what she was saying, Jacob. Yeah, so she was talking about the uh, interaction between Zuko and Aang. Uh, mm-hmm. She said. Uh, here, I'll, I'll read uh, some mm-hmm. of her comments here. She said, I know that season one obviously gets the least love, but I had some thoughts on the character arcs that I wanted to get out because I think a lot of groundwork on the zuko Ang storyline is laid out in season one. Uh, she continues, from the beginning, the interactions were not so intense, maybe because Aang didn't really view Zuko as a big threat. Uh, but over the course of the season, we see both of them offering a lot of grace to the other. Could it be because Aang's past life is connected to Zuko in a spiritual way? Uh, in the finale episode, we see Aang's refusal to leave Zuko out to die in the frozen tundra, and they save his life. Um, I posit that this creates a life debt between the two of them and leads Zuko's hesitation and journey to redemption. In the Fire Nation, you aren't to show mercy. Uh, your dad permanently scars you instead. So I think Aang's act of mercy that really jumpstarts Zuko's redemption arc. Uh, I think that is a, is a great point. Um, and this is something that... Uh, yeah, like, I don't think that Aang or Zuko know that they have this connection yet. Obviously, this will come up uh, a bit later mm-hmm. uh, in the series, but they do have this connection where they, like, are, uh, you know, together um, through, like, their they share in lineage. And I think that that is, uh, like, a great thing to point out by Sarah here, how it starts not, like, in that episode, but it actually starts when Aang saves Zuko's life here. Yeah, and everything Sarah's saying is just, this is such a well done email because it really made me think when we saw this when we were talking about this right before we started recording because everything Sarah's saying is true. And like, while me and you really, we kind of like, we'll focus on the comedy almost more so than sometimes the <laughs> actual plot. But when it comes to like Zuko and A's connection, it's true. Like Fire Lord Roku did have a, or no, not Fire Lord, Avatar Roku did have a mm-hmm. very strong connection with the Fire Lord to the point where I think he didn't, spoiler alert, of course, he ends up dying because of his relationship with the Fire Lord. And I didn't re- like, I didn't even think it's like, oh yeah, that could, the, the spiritual connection that Aang and Zuko have from their past generations interacting with each other. And I think the blue spirit is really the start of that. And when it comes to Zuko, Zuko's fueled by his rage, his need to get his dad's approval, his honor, of course, is a phrase we or a word we hear him repeat time and time again. Whereas Aang is fueled by his friends, his love for the world, his just positive outlook on life, the ability to see the good in everything. And I feel like once Aang and Zuko start interacting more in season two, in season three, Aang is able to bring Zuko into his way of thinking and is able to make Zuko almost think, see the world more as an airbender rather than just an aggressive aggro firebender. So I think you're, uh, I think everything Sarah wrote in is just absolutely true. And it's just some great observations on Sarah's part. Yeah. And, and like, obviously uh, the show is called Avatar, the last airbender. So uh, it is about Aang, but mm-hmm. in, in a way, like the show is about Zuko's journey as well. I mean, mm-hmm. This is, uh, you know, getting into a bit of spoilers here, but like Zuko is the bridge essentially between the Fire Nation and the Avatar, uh, like with that lineage between both of them. And I think that this is like, it, it is a very interesting dynamic that he has as he goes from, you know, season one, he's like trying to prove himself. Season two, he's like very broken down and like he's really has, uh, like that outcast status. In season three, he ultimately defects and, uh, is like Aang's uh, firebending teacher. And I think that 
the episode, I mean, this is many uh, seasons away at this point, but the episode, the Avatar and the Fire Lord really puts into perspective Zuko's arc and how he has all of his complicated history. And I think like that's when I uh, like recognize this connection between them, but definitely on a rewatch, you can see that even in season one, they're laying that groundwork here. Yes. And you have, you make a very good point about the fact that while the show is called Avatar, the last airbender, they do such a good job building up almost every single main character and side, even a lot of side characters as well. And when it comes to Zuko, it's widely known by many people that Zuko has one of the best redemption arcs in the history of television. I think. Yeah. As, as crazy as it is there, or at the very least, of the history of animated media, definitely, just from. And we really see him in season one. He's got the – in the Fire Nation, when you are you lose your honor, you have to shave your head, and your hair is such a big symbol of status. And Zuko coming in with the bald ponytail and him just fighting tooth and nail to get back his honor from his father that sadly he will never get back because his father will never respect him and see him in the – light that he wants his father to see him. So him coming to grips with that as the series goes on and then finally becoming the Fire Lord in his own right and becoming Aang's firebending master. It's just like you really see the seeds planted for that in season one. And I feel like I enjoyed almost every Zuko and Iroh storyline. Like there were some where I was like, yeah, I could have could have done without or like it almost took too much of the time away from Aang, Katara and Sokka. But I think one thing I'm really excited to get into in season two is because while I may not have loved every Iroh and Zuko storyline season one with them just on the Fire Nation ship doing whatever, I think season two has some standout Zuko and Iroh episodes. I think off the top of my head, Zuko alone is an amazing episode. Yep. Even Tales of Ba Sing Se with Iroh and Sing the Such Little Soldier episode. Boy. One of the best. And I think ep- season two, why it's so good is because while you might leave Aang, Katara, and Sokka for a bit and go to the Zuko and Iroh storyline, you're as invested in Zuko and Iroh as you are the main gang, Team Avatar. So, and, and like season one plants the seeds for a lot of that. So I think I agree with almost everything both you and Sarah have said. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that uh, those like two episodes, the Storm and the Blue Spear, do mm-hmm. a great job. I'm glad that we didn't skip over them to, just to get to some bado yeah. trashing. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, uh, yeah, don't, because I didn't want to like skip ahead just to like for my stupid like me- like meme <laughs> trashing. Honestly, I actually wanted to stop down and talk about those episodes. Yeah, and I'm no, glad no. We're, I'm glad we we're able to incorporate Sarah's feedback as well. Yeah, totally agree with you there. All right, I think uh, I think we we've gotten to it. Uh, is there anything that we could do to redeem Bottom of the Water Tribe to make it not the worst episode of season one? No, like, and, wh- no. How and, different and, do no, we have to and, make it? No, no. And I don't mean to interrupt <laughs> you with my just dismissiveness, but no, there is no redeeming this episode. It's horrible. The only redeeming is the fight. The fight at the end is good, and the sheer shoe is a cool thing, but. Overall, it's just the most poorly written episode of By Far. It's not even like Aang's character isn't like that. Aang, even when you first meet Aang, he would not really do something like this. So Aang is acting out of character a lot. Whereas in the Zhang Zhang episode, uh, The Deserter, I felt like while Aang was not acting great, I felt like that was within his character to not be doing well with authority and stuff. Whereas Aang wouldn't hide like Katara and Sokka trying to meet their father. That's not him. And not only that, Bato's like the least interesting character I've ever seen. Least interesting titular character in the whole series by far. No question about it. I barely remembered any of this plot when I watched this episode again. Even now, it's like, I just... It went in one eye out the other, in one ear out the other. It's just out of my memory, out of sight, out of mind. I really hated this episode. I gave it a 2.4. I think I should have given it a negative 2.4. It's absolute <laughs> bottom of the barrel trash. Did not like it. Irredeemable. And I, and I told Jacob this in the pre-show. 
Cause I'll tell you, he was laughing. He was like, Oh, you can get into it. It's fine. And I was like, yeah, the thing with this episode is the only episode we watched in season one where I thought it was actually a chore to rewatch. Like I was watching it. I think it was 9 PM. It wasn't even my bedtime. And I was like, damn, I'm about to go to sleep on cause I'm sleep on this episode. How trash and crap it was. So not really a fan. I mean, Jacob, I've no Lord knows. And I, the, the reason I talked about this before, I kind of want to wrap a bow on this trashing a bottle of the water tribe in season two. I won't bring it up as much because Lord knows I've beat this dead horse to like, to, I mean, I've made it even deader than dead. So Jacob, if there's anything you want to talk about bottle of the water tribe, if you have a way to redeem it, feel free to go for it. But to me, it's, it's, I don't know. It's shit. Pardon my language, but it's not a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh ultimately i don't think there's a ton to come out of it uh like maybe you have like a sea prune recipe uh maybe you have like the sheer shoes uh, the uh, sheer shoe the sheer shoes an interesting no character. i agree i, I, I like, like the that, sheer but. shoe and if that's a if that's a redeeming plot point for people that's fair because the sheer shoe and i think june are interesting characters overall the sheer shoe is one of the more interesting creatures in the series i don't know if a sea prune recipe is going to be bringing me back into it. i think even during the podcast we were talking about how we don't like sea prune episodes or sea <laughs> Sea prune episodes, sea prunes in general, but um, that's no, that's definitely true. Yeah, no, uh, but overall, what, what about, I, I, what about like, the continue. sailing, the the sailing course that we get from uh, Sokka? I don't remember the words. He said like uh, the sail. I think the jib is one of the words. The jib the bow or something. Even even that I thought was we. It was like just so, so oddly written <laughs> because it's like Sokka passes the test from Bato. Bato's like, okay, good job, you're a man now. Whatever. It was like the worst like I don't know coming of age ritual I've ever seen in my entire life in any media. But Bato's basically like, okay, you're done. And Sokka's like, oh, you know what? I want to clear this wave anyways. <laughs> So I like goes with his. I don't know. I thought it was just it. It kind of like even took me out of the plot of that episode already, and I just felt like on a more serious note, they didn't really give Bato enough of a backstory. I thought like if they opened the episode with him talking about him, like his relationship with Hakoda and how he kind of feels like he's struggling with that, then I would have liked it anymore. But they didn't really provide us with a reason to care about him like they did a lot of the other side characters in season one. Uh, that's fair. You know mm-hmm. what? I think that we can leave that here. Perfect. Uh, we'll leave know, it here. Bottom. We won't have to touch it again. <laughs> uh, we, we might have to come back to it in this episode, but, uh, I, I, yes. I think that, uh, I think we can agree there. Yeah. Uh, I think after we get past bottom of the water tribe, we start looking up though. Uh, like mm-hmm. the, the end of the season or end of book one ends pretty well. So we have the deserter, the Northern air temple, the water bending master and the siege of the North part one and two. Let's start with the deserter here. I, I think this is a great episode. Like this is one of the first episodes where uh, I felt like we uh, like uh, from the podcasting perspective that you and I were able to balance the serious jokes with the uh, like breaking things down. I thought that that was like uh, a very nice, a nice touch that we had. Uh, I really felt like I learned a lot, uh, like listening to you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Wow. Well, I feel like I don't know. Very few people learn anything when I talk to them. Like I'm not even the best <laughs> at explaining stuff, but no, I could, I could tell you appreciate what I was saying. And yeah, I, I agree with, I agree with what you're talking about because when we did that podcast, while well, we spent like the first 30 minutes talking about this little festival and making a lot of dumb jokes, as we got into the relationship between Zhang Zhang and Ang, we really dug deep and dissected like why Ang is struggling with Zhang Zhang, why Zhang Zhang may not be the best teacher. Zhang Zhang's own struggle with the fact that he's got this like hulking avatar in front of him basically demanding he teach Aang and it's like even though he knows that's not the best thing to do he basically has to acquiesce to Roku so yeah no I, I really enjoyed this episode both I think this episode did a really good job balancing the comedic as well as the serious and I think especially after I think 
For me personally, Fortune Teller and Bato is like the roughest two episodes of a stretch. And I think to honestly, that might even be my two lowest episodes of season one. But I think the deserter was such a good bounce back from that. And going forward, once we hit the deserter, we get deserter, northern air, air temple, waterbending master, and the two part finale. And again, another great six episode stretch right there, honestly, or a great yeah. four episode stretch, whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's fun because uh, I was ready to come into the deserter asking you if you thought that the magician came from a family of magicians or he learned it himself. <laughs> like that's what I thought we were getting into, and instead we got a we really like dove into the the Zhang Zhang aspect of it. So I thought that was fun. Yeah, and and I think uh, Zhang Zhang is a character a lot of people forget about because season one, like a lot of people, I feel like are like me. They're ne- they don't necessarily re- revisit a lot of episodes in season one, but I think Zhang Zhang was. Well, he may not be the best side character. He was the most nuanced by far, especially compared to like some of the other side characters we ended up seeing. You could really sense the struggle and pain he felt with firebending, which you really don't see with a lot of characters in Avatar, but especially you don't see it with the firebending characters. Besides Iroh, most firebenders we interact with are just like super aggressive, super just they want, they want to get what they want. They want, they will mm-hmm. do whatever they're fighters. Whereas Zhang Zhang, he didn't seem like a fighter. He almost seemed more like a lover, not to use like lover in the generic context. But you know what I mean? Like he seemed like somebody who was at odds with his firebending nature. And I felt like almost as a viewer, I could like, really relate to the struggles he was going through. So I really enjoyed that episode, both the episode and uh, like you said, I thought that was, again, one of our better podcasts of season one. And for me, going through this with you, a lot of the episodes I think highly of, I also think we had great podcasts about. And even the episodes we thought lowly of, I think we did a good job (laughs) talking about too. Because I think me and you, one thing we do well when we're like trashing on something and just roasting it, I think we have a fun time doing that. While I didn't like Bato the Water Tribe and the Fortune Teller, I think those podcasts were great as well. So I really liked how we're able to do a good podcast about a good episode and then to still do a decent podcast about episodes that aren't as great. So I really like what we've created here overall yeah i agree uh now the next thing i wanted to get into is the northern air temple which i think is secretly one of the most consequential episodes uh because we get the mechanist and he has so much influence on the rest mm-hmm. of the series mm-hmm. uh and it's like a little bit it's a little bit hidden uh i think like i, 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 you- I, I I'm, I'm glad you brought this up i'm gonna let you continue but because i kind of alluded to some of this on the podcast but i think with that with the northern air Temple podcast i didn't do enough research like i watched the episode and took my notes of course but i should have gone on the avatar wiki and done, and done a little more digging because as soon as I did that afterwards, I learned a lot. I was like, whoa, the mechanist does play a lot into it. But if you want to get into what you're about to say, feel free. Yeah. I mean, well, I think like the, we see the Fire Nation tanks and these come up again many times, mm-hmm. uh, that the mechanist created. We see the blimp, uh, as we know, <laughs> the blimp will come back and turn into like a, a war zeppelin, uh, in season three, but also the drill, uh, which is going to be a huge part of season two and taking, uh, down the wall of bossing say and penetrating it is, uh, all the mechanist creation. And I think it is super interesting that we get this character. Uh, you know, we, he seems like some weird nut job who's, uh, you know, focused more on the candles making noises, uh, than anything else. Uh, but I think that it's, it's pretty cool that this character comes up many times, uh, he makes things for Team Avatar for the invasions that they have. Uh, he makes Aang a glider in a future season, and then he makes the drill. And I think that this is uh, one of the most underrated characters because of the influence he has on the rest of the series. 
Yeah, I agree with all of that. And to add on to what you're saying, it's like, yeah, I, I regret not mentioning the fact that if you in that episode, if you actually watch it, you can see he has the blueprints for the drill, for the drill. laying out. Yeah. Yeah, and that, like you said, that's such a huge part of season two. But to add on to what you're saying, it's like, not only is he such a huge part of the series going forward, or at least has such a huge influence on the series, he was also just a very good character. I kind of forgot about Northern Air Temple in that episode as a whole. Like, obviously, I remembered his son, Teo, flying through the air and doing all that stuff. But I really did, I forgot the struggles he has, how he has to build these weapons for the Fire Nation. And while on the surface, you're like, oh, he's just this goofy old man with his, like, candle clocks and all that stuff but once the episode progresses you really see and i remember i really enjoy i think like the jong jong podcast or the deserter podcast we had this episode we also this podcast we also did a good job balancing the serious and the comedy because i remember talking about him and his him and ang's conversation what was the quote again i don't know if you remember in oh, particular. i don't remember exactly yeah, but but basically but, uh, they have a very no. like deep conversation almost at the top of the episode and i really like i remember watching that and i was like i actually gotta pause and think about this for a second because how like like I, I use this word a lot but how nuanced their conversation was and how deep and introspective it was which was even almost out of character for ang like while ang is a very peaceful man ang is not usually like debating or like preaching to people you know what i mean so it was interesting to see him and the mechanist and their different views on life and just the mechanist struggle with his child who went through this horrible tragedy and his wife passing away him relocating and doing whatever he can to keep his tribe afloat his gang of people and what he was doing for his son and just all that stuff i really i, I really enjoyed that episode overall on a, re- on a rewatch and i think not only is the mechanist a very underrated character i think that's one of the more underrated episodes of season one as a whole yeah yeah i think the conversation between like nature uh and like progress mm-hmm, being that's what uh, almost was. like too yeah. difficult to to stop is like that was a really good thing. And I think that was uh, like a, something I look fondly thinking back on. And, and I agree I because think, I, when yeah. I, when I saw that nature versus progress, I was like, that actually ties to real life. Like that's the thing that's going on today. It's like, you see yeah. technology and the advances we're having in that field versus like people and human nature almost. So I really enjoyed yeah. that, um, that episode because it really like it relates to what's going on in our world. Yeah. Well, speaking of other things that uh, happen in real life, we get to the waterbending master with Paku, who's uh, kind of just a trash person. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but in this episode, I think we get Katara really growing into her own. Katara like becomes uh, like a fully formed, uh, like you know, confident badass waterbender, uh, and I feel like this is like the the start to her journey, going from like extremely talented prodigy to like just full on master. Yes, and I think one thing, we talked about this earlier this episode, that Avatar does really well. Well, it's called Avatar The Last Airbender, and Aang is the main character. In season one, I think Aang, Sokka, Katara, and Zuko, all four of them, from the first episode, from their first appearance, and I guess Zuko in episode two, to now, you see them really just grow as characters. Sokka turns into from this immature brute to this like great military strategist. We actually see him in the Mechanist episode conceiving ideas for this war balloon. So we see Sokka evolve as like a a brain as well as just like a warrior in a way. We see Sokka really develop in that regard. We see Aang develop from this like child, childlike or child like we see him develop from this like yeah. juvenile mindset to getting a lot more pressure on children we see zuko developing from this like just man who just filled with anger and rage to being more compassionate but katara we see her of course 
when we first see Katara, she's mature by far. She's the most mature of the group. She's the caregiver taking on. She's essentially the mother of the group. But we really see Katara develop as a fighter as, as the series progresses, even in season one. And I feel like the, a lot of episodes were good showcases for Katara, but the waterbending master in particular. I was just in awe at how much she's grown just from the time, from this short time we've been watching. Not even what she'll end up growing into when she's going toe to toe with both Azula and Zuko like numerous times mm-hmm. in the series. Like how powerful she is as a bender, but overall her character just grew so much throughout season one. I thought waterbending master was a perfect encapsulation of Katara's character. Yeah, it also gives us one of the best fights of the mm-hmm, series. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, the, I think we rated this the best fight of season one. Mm-hmm. I think I can stand by that rating. I think that this fight between uh, Katara and Paku at the mm-hmm. end is really something uh, pretty cool. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and then uh, I think all that's left is the finale. Uh, honestly, I feel like we talked about it so recently, I don't really have much else to say uh, on that one. But, uh, Zach, if you have anything here uh, about the finale, like definitely epic. Uh, I'm big fan, but uh, that's about all I had. Yeah, same. I mean, with the finale, it's almost like it was so epic on my first watch. I was like, whoa, like Aang transforming into this huge spirit and just carving up these Fire Nation ships. Yo, spoiler, probably killed a lot of people. <laughs> like, like Aang's got a lot of um, um, heads on his resume here. I feel like a lot of those Fire Nation soldiers are dead, but oh, well, what can you do? <laughs> that's uh, that's I mean, the nature's the of coming. Yeah, continue. The moon spirit has uh, an admiral on their resume. Uh, true, takes true, out true. Zhao. True. No, you're 100% right. The moon spirit did just come from the depths and grab Zhao. So that's true. But I think overall, it's like while the finale was great, I think Avatar will have even higher highs. So when I, yeah. maybe on my first watch, this might have been my highest high. But now upon a rewatch, it's like while I still thoroughly enjoyed this, I feel like Avatar gets to even bigger heights, especially. I think the season two finale kind of blows this out of the water. So. Uh, that's what I yeah. always think, because I think the season two finale is just one of the best episodes of um, the whole series. Yeah. The one thing that I saw that uh, I didn't see before last week is that Paku, at, uh, at the very beginning of part one, has a little bit of cross promotion from a Nic- another Nickelodeon show. Okay. Uh, he says something about how like the sponge in the sea or something like that. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> apparently, like right before this was SpongeBob SquarePants. So, uh yeah, I, I thought that was funny. Uh, Obviously, I know, not I know the joke you're talking about too, and I never put two and two together. I kind of forget that Avatar is Nickelodeon because I, there's no Nickelodeon channel in Canada, right? So I never realized. No. So yeah, we only have like we have the Canadian for Canadian listeners like YTV. That's like our like gotcha. Canadian kids channel where Avatar used to air. So like I always forget like it is Nickelodeon it aired the same time as SpongeBob. One of my my brother is a very big Avatar: The Last Airbender fan, and one of his favorite factoids is that. There was at SpongeBob won like best children's show at the MTV awards every year. And the two years it didn't win, Avatar was the show yep. that ended up usurping it for Avatar season two and season three. Yeah, and that, so those cool. are the seasons we're about to get into. So yeah, uh, exactly. I guess it's better than SpongeBob SquarePants. Weird tagline, <laughs> but I guess we'll adopt it for season two and well, season I kinda three. Well, I kind of feel like I always, as a weird as weird as it is to compare the two, it's like SpongeBob for me is like the best like comedic children's show, even though it wasn't mm-hmm. even my favorite growing up. But just I think it holds a lot of early SpongeBob and like middle seasons of SpongeBob hold up, and it probably is the best children's television show out there when it comes to just pure comedy. But if you want children's television with like an actual story and a plot i think avatar is the best after last airbender is the best by far and i maintain that throughout watching it 
There you go. I think those are our thoughts on season one. Now mm-hmm. we have a few segments to get into, which I think will help us break it down a little bit further. Perfect. Uh, the first is going to be some feedback. Um, we already went through Sarah's, but as always, you can write in avatar at postshowrecaps.com. Mm-hmm. We have a few questions from Lydia. Um, as always, writing in. Thanks so much, Lyd. Uh, one question that she asked was, which side character would it be the most entertaining to give bending abilities to? Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, it's tough because, like, Momo and Appa obviously aren't technically side characters, and Appa actually has bending, so I was, I was thinking about this. And I don't know. I, I, you want to go first, Jacob? Because I got I to gotta let this marinate for a bit. Yeah, I think maybe we can give it to Mang. Uh, if Mang is, like, a firebender, mm-hmm. but, like, uh, maybe, like, living in that village uh, with the fortune teller, uh, I feel like Mang's jealousy and, uh, like, her, like, anger towards Katara... I feel like, you know, maybe she could get into some hijinks. Uh, she seems like a firebender type personality. So maybe if she was like uh, getting a little bit upset and like kept singeing her hair or something like that, her wild hair, uh, I feel like maybe that would be uh, who I would give it to. Yeah, I'm thinking about this. Initially, I was going to say Aunt Wu. I was going to be like, give her some good powers, whether it be earthbending or firebending, so she can continue swindling all these people to greater <laughs> success. Even though hey, I wasn't a fan of her doing that, it's like, you know what? Yeah. If she has a bending powers, maybe she can even be more successful. But I was thinking about this. I was like, you know what? Give it to those Legend of Zelda NPC type villagers oh my from gosh. the Hey by episode. You know why? Because maybe if they had some bending, they'd have some personality. My gosh, those are the most bland <laughs> side characters. I feel like that's the thing. When Avatar kind of has like some crappy side characters, it really makes you think of like the good side characters, like the Zhang Zhangs and the Mengs and the Ant Wu's and the Pakus. Yeah. Even though I didn't love Paku, a good side character nonetheless. He made you like hate him, love to hate him in a way. So. Well, hey, there you go. So, uh, an entire village from yeah. the Winter Solstice Part One. Yeah, just and I got want them to all be something wild. I want to be like Airbenders or something. Like it's a secret gag, ga- like group of Airbenders that Aang has just not <laughs> run into. Like, yeah, give them some place to give them a plot, give them a personality rather than all right, that yeah, boring yeah. ass village. Honestly, yeah. if uh, if they're Earthbenders and they could put that village back together again, because that Heibai did a number <laughs> <True>. breaking <laughs> down all of those towns, and you could just erect a few buildings real quick if you had some Earthbending. So I feel like uh, giving them Earthbending, maybe Airbending, uh, yeah, good idea. Uh, next question from Lydia. Which location uh, Team Avatar visited would you most want to live? See, live and visit myself is what I struggle with because, like, I would almost want to visit, like, their, like, ice Venice that they have set up in the North Pole. But I wouldn't want to live there because it's too cold. You know what I mean? I don't want to live in, like, minus 30 degrees Celsius. Screw that. But um, (laughs) that's why, you know, I feel like they a lot of the times you see them training. So, it'll be, like, Katara and Aang. You know what? In particular, in The Deserter, again, I keep bringing up this episode, but when Aang is, like, learning about the fire and stuff basically there's this beautiful pond where like you have Sokka fishing in the background Katara practicing her water bending and I thought that looks so idyllic I guess is the term mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm using that correctly but I was just like damn that would be a place where I would just want to like set up live in a cabin by myself and just stay there forever because it was hey. just absolutely gorgeous those backgrounds yeah, and plus it's really close uh, to a fire festival uh, that <laughs> every year, every year is uh, has some big festival and the crime rate's down. Uh, <laughs> so no crime. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, no crime. I forgot yeah. about that joke. And you're right. And go see the magician put on a better show than I can in the Water Tribe with Paku and exactly, all that. Exactly, exactly. The show was yeah, kind of 
ass in comparison. So yeah, no, I'll go with the, <laughs> I'll go with that. That's, that's where I would go. What about yourself? Where would you live if you could live anywhere in the Avatar universe of season one? You know, call me boring. Uh, I'm a city dweller. I love Chicago. Uh, put me in Omashu. Uh, oh, I feel okay. like that's a city. That's a city that's put together, uh, at least until it gets, you know, uh, ransacked and taken over. But it's put <laughs> together. It has some fun stuff. Like that cabbage delivery system looks fun. Uh, I feel like, you know, put me in Omashu and I would have a good life. I feel like that delivery system was for more than just cabbages. And in fact, very few cabbages ended up getting delivered. But <laughs> I know no, what I you guess mean. more got destroyed. <laughs> yeah, more uh, got destroyed. That's true. But um, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a good choice as well. I think Omashu seems a lot of fun. Like, Boomy is an eccentric leader, but he also seems yes. pretty fair and noble. So I think he's a, that's a, that would be a fun place to live. A lot of the hustle and bustle of Omashu. Plus, they have enough resources to have feasts during war, so they really can't be too uh, bad off if they have true, like feasts, uh, you know, when people come into town. So, well, no, I, I, I think like to your point, like I'm mean, you're trying to like tongue in cheek, but you are correct. It's like Omashu is, especially compared to some like again the Earth slums we'll see Zuko and Iroh yeah. visit. Omashu is kind of thriving in regard, like Omashu and Ba Sing Se are the two big hubs of the Earth Kingdom. I think. But I would even say, put me in Omashu over Bossing Say. Mm-hmm. Bossing Say is like much more top down government. Like, uh, it seems like there's lots of areas where it's like very impoverished and like yes. not thriving. It seems like in Omashu, like maybe we just didn't get to the parts that were bad, but it seems like it's a fine place. Like, yeah, the security is a bit high. And anytime you want to leave the city, you have to go on like a two mile trek uh, <laughs> on that on that bridge but i think omashu's got some good stuff going uh, for it so i think it's better than bossing say no you're right and bossing say the issue is that what it has that omashu doesn't has an obvious class divide so it's like the yeah lo- the lower class people live in the lower rung and the higher class people live in the higher rung and of course they have all their political issues with their useless like puppet uh leader that's installed so a lot of politics to get into once we eventually get to bossing say but yeah where do you want to go next jacob do, do you have one more question from lydia or do you want to move uh, on to some other feedback yeah yeah one more question from lid mm-hmm. uh which episode would you most be willing to shuffle to a new position in the season via a random number generator i think that's uh that's like a pretty interesting question um, I, I would never have come up with this myself, but it's a good question. Uh, I think that it'd be fun to see which episode, uh, we would want to switch and then maybe we can have it, uh, random number generator between one and 20 and say like, what would be the ramifications if we changed it? Does that sound fine, Zach? Yeah, perfect. Sounds good. Sweet. So I think the episode that most should switch is Jet. Uh, primarily this is an episode we hadn't talked about a ton yet, but I think Jet could have come earlier. Uh, I think that this is an episode where Sokka kind of th- sees through um like jet's persona or whatever and i think that you know it helps uh it helps jet or it helps uh us understand Sokka's character a bit more plus it shows the dividing line between you know what katara is okay with and what like jet's okay with you know both of them experience loss at the hands of the fire nation but katara is not willing to cross that line of harming innocent people and like you really get to see that like you know, Team Avatar is going to go around the world helping people and not like getting revenge or like seeking retributive justice, I guess. No, that's that's a very good way to put it. And you're right. We didn't talk about Jet too much, but I really enjoyed that episode when it came. I was like, okay. Sokka's had a rough string of episodes overall. And I was like, it's nice to get a good Sokka showcase here where like throughout the whole episode, he's completely in the right. And yet he's trying to get Aang and uh, Katara to see his viewpoint. And finally, at the end of the episode, they do and they're able to see that 
they don't want to seek retributive justice the way Jet wants to. So, no, you are right. And that could be an episode that's a little earlier. But to play devil's advocate, I think it's good where it is because Asaka in the beginning of the episode, that when Jet comes, by the time it does, it's like it really shows you how Asaka has grown as a character. Whereas yeah. in the first couple of episodes, he's just goofy and immature, just not the best with anything. But you really see his like growth as just a person overall. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, I have a random number between one and 20. Let's see what it says. It says, oh, seven. So that would go right after imprisoned um, before the spirit world. And, what, and what's Jet normally? What episode was that? Like 13 or something? Like that? Uh, 10. So it's 10. right after the waterbending scroll oh, before the okay, Great okay. Divide. I Okay. Uh, random number generator, I think, did a good job. I think that it, it's a perfect episode to go after imprisoned because uh, like imprisoned, you know, we see the fire nation do a lot of bad stuff. Like there's so much motivation to try to get um, like, I guess even, or like try to, you know, take something out on people. And I think that jet going after in prison is actually not a bad idea. So I'm okay with the random number generator. Yeah. The right. I feel like this is an odd question. It's like, I thought we yep. were just going to slot it where we wanted, but using the random number generator, but luckily it didn't do you too dirty. Initially I was going to yeah. say bottle of the water tribe and hope the random number generator, number generator <laughs> breaks and like gives me like 69 or like a number that's not even on the list. So then it can just get shoveled <laughs> into the trash. But after, after I got to mm. think about, after thinking about it for a little bit, one episode I liked a lot and i kind of wish it was a little earlier almost was uh the deserter i think i've talked about it a yeah. lot i think that was really stuck i think another episode that could have been a little earlier we also just talked about it the northern air temple i think those two i mean northern air temple it's tough to put it anywhere earlier but because it's northern air temple northern, they're close to yeah. the northern water tribe yeah but those two episodes i was like if they were a little farther away from the finale i feel like they'd almost be more remembered remembered by the fan base and i feel like because of that they're a little bit forgotten because the finale's shine kind of takes a little bit away from them sadly so i would have liked either of those two episodes to be a little bit earlier but for the sake of this exercise you can just slot in the deserter and see where it falls uh yeah i i think maybe for the northern air temple you could change it to the center air temple and then put it anywhere uh, <laughs> oh so, okay perfect so you can do both if you want you can start with it let's deserter. see so uh all right random number between 1 and 20 spits out oh 16 for the deserter so that's actually exactly where it is uh <laughs> so random, the random number, number generator generated? says it should it's not perfect. change okay. let, let me try one more time to see if it gets anything better okay nine uh okay. that would be right after uh avatar roku I actually think that that's a good place for it. I agree. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe this is a good, uh, good exercise, but yeah. yeah, I think so. Like right after Aang realizes that he needs to, uh, like, you know, defeat Fire Lord Ozai and has all this responsibility. Uh, I feel like if he tries to force himself to learn firebending right then, I feel like that would have been a good episode as well. No, yeah, that's surprising. The random generator is two for two if we don't count that getting it the exact same buff part because. <laughs> Yeah, that, that actually is a very good slot for it. I don't even have too much to add because you yeah. are completely right. And then, um, well, do you want to just do the central air temple, see where that would fall? Sure, sure. Let's see the yeah. central air temple as well. <laughs> uh, all right. The central air temple should go in episode 15. So not much before. Oh, it's replacing bottle of the water tribe. Oh, so maybe uh, there, we, there we go. And then we just like chuck bottle of the water tribe into the garbage can. And yeah, there we go. I, I like three this. Three for so, three. Yeah, three for three. Wow. Wow. What a great wow. random number generator. It's like Lydia I'm- was controlling it behind the scenes. 
Yeah, I never would have expected that this segment was going to be fun, but this was a great time. So, oh, wow, uh, wow. Shots fired at Lydia, by the way. You're like, oh, every segment I did was good, but the one segment no, she whoa, did, whoa, I wasn't expecting. <laughs> don't, don't get me in a fight, Zach. I'm sorry. It's, I'm uh, sorry. We got ed- edit this all out. We'll have our people work with it behind the scenes. Don't <laughs> no, worry. I don't mind. Uh, actually, Zach, so while we were mm-hmm. recording, I think, or maybe I didn't see this earlier, we had someone else write in. Yeah, I, I think this was while we were recording, honestly, because I was, I had, I saw it in another tab as well if you want to tackle cool. this question so i have not read this so mm-hmm. but the questions look sensible so uh it looks like john wrote in and asked what adventure would you most want to go on from season one ah, what adventure would i most want to go on well the thing is i hope i have bending powers in this hypothetical <laughs> because i feel like most of the adventures team avatar goes on i'd probably be dead so yes hmm. uh, fair You know what I want to be? This is a weird thing. I feel like a prison revolt, if successful, would be fun. So I feel like I wouldn't mind, like, if I was an Earth Kingdom prisoner. Like, let's say I'm a well-behaved prisoner. So, like, the warden's not throwing me in the solitary confinement or whatever it is for a week for, like, just looking, not making eye contact with him or whatever he does. Or Or laughing or sneezing or whatever. Like, I would be screwed. (laughs) <laughs> true yeah he'd send you straight to like the gulags right there but yeah if like if i could have been just one even like an npc soldier while like that prison breakout is happening and like maybe i'm just some middle rung earthbender that like helps with the breakout i feel like that would be a lot of fun so that's the adventure i'd pick what about yourself jacob you know i'm going for another prison break that's also in the season i think i'd like to go blue spirit and level up against a bunch of level one spearmen uh you give me some airbending powers and you put me against some of the worst fighters in the entire avatar universe and i think i'd have a lot of fun so that's where i'd like to go <laughs> and what's funny about the episode is like i almost thought it was a little weaker because ang and zuko just did not have that much resistance the whole time i felt like majority of it was just them like just like knocking fire nation heads together and like, yeah, besides the, the Yu-Yan Yu-Yan archers, archers yes those were the only yeah. people who provided any much of a exactly. threat to them but uh, yeah that's a good question john, for me. was that john john you don't write in yeah, too much but thank you john for the question, had a, john. a second question mm-hmm. uh, if you had to put together a team avatar who would you include so i think uh i guess like yep side characters main characters like let's do it who, so who, is I this guess, from the avatar universe uh uh maybe not i guess oh no I was no no we, we can, yeah okay let's do it with the avatar universe and no big yeah. deal hmm i'll, I'll, I'll uh, let yeah. you spit first but give me a, or like let me give me give me like 10 seconds to think maybe we can cut this like preamble out but i guess no, no, i think uh bit. you know i think i'll just shoot off the cuff here i think one person i'd love to include is boomy uh, mm-hmm. maybe to like replace the Sokka type character, uh, maybe like not hundred and like 12 year old Boomy. Uh, he's no, probably I, a little I, bit I want old senile Boomy on my team. Want, okay. I don't, I don't want, I don't want young prime Boomy. I want old senile Boomy. So you know what? Like, we can draft our own team at what, or we can do it together because I like Boomy on our team. So okay, yeah, I, I, let's, let's definitely we'll, have Boomy. Yeah. Okay. We'll have Boomy. I think next up, you know how I want, we'll have, um, Hmm, I don't want to just make this full white lotus, so I'm trying to think. You know what? Give us that old tour guide. He can be that okay. old tour guide from the Great Divide. He can be the just another... <laughs> we'll just have a gang of, like, old senile men, but... <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like that guy's pretty funny. He can entertain us with his like batshit insane conspiracy theories. <laughs> he can just crack us up. I feel like him and Boomy would have a good dynamic. They'd probably get along. I feel like he'd almost be able to like convert Boomy to his like weird ideology. Ideology. So yeah, I feel like that'd be a fun. <laughs> 
yeah. my little group, but I feel like we should skew younger for the next pick, so I'll let okay. you go ahead. Uh, I, I'm not going to go too young here. You know, oh, that's I, I think that's if fun. I'm having a team avatar, I want someone who's going to gas me up. I need someone who's <laughs> on my side, who's I telling know me everything going, I do I is think. great. Yeah. I want Che from yes. the Deserter episode to just tell me that I'm the best. So let's have Che join uh, <laughs> my team avatar. And, uh, how, how's that, Zach? Is that all no, right? No, that's good. Yeah, no, that's a good pick. I, I, when, when you were building up to it, I was like, okay, I think he's going Che. And last but not least, you know what? Let's have June. I feel like we never talk about we always okay. talk about the sheer shoe we never talk about the lady with her whip and the sheer shoe we i feel like it's nice to have a female in the group we basically have three old losers so nice to get a, <laughs> a actual like capable female who can whip all these guys into shape both literally and figuratively i think the sheer shoe can function as like the oppa of our proverbial team avatar like yes we see it as like a horrifying looking beast but if the sheer shoe is on my side and like lashing shit with its like tongue that can paralyze people then I, i'm all for it so i think that could be our t- I, I like that team if i'm being honest yeah a good team. i think yeah i think it's a good team all right so we got uh boomy the tour guide shay and june uh, <laughs> the most honest team ever but oh we'll go with it. yeah i feel like there's going to be some uh issues with the team dynamics there i feel like not everyone's going to get along boomy and june i think will be uh either best of friends or at each other's I, I, think boomy will, I think boomy will like june i don't think he'll care but i think june will get very yeah. tired of boomy's antics honestly yep Yep, I agree. Well, uh, there you go. I think, uh, great question, John. That was uh, a lot of fun there. So thanks for writing in. Uh, as always, write in at avatar at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, next up, we have our award show, our first. Well, I guess I was going to say annual, but it's not annual. Our <laughs> well, first. This can, well, this can be, we can make it an annual thing or that or at least for the next three or not three years. Cause we're not going to go on for three years, but Hey, our first award show won't be the last. So there we there go. The, go. The first ang in their award show right here. Yep. Uh, I think the first award that we have is the MVP of season one or book one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's got to go to Appa here. Uh, Appa carries the team on his back, both literally and figuratively. Uh, Appa is getting people out of situations all the time. Uh, he's constantly saving the team. He is the saving grace anytime Team Avatar gets in trouble. And if you think about it, you know, most animal characters in TV shows are like throwaways. They're not useful. So the replacement level animal is low. And if you're looking at wins above replacement, Appa is bar none. Uh, beating everyone else. So I think I'm about to get the analytics Appa. here, Jacob. Oh, wow. yeah. Advanced saber metrics here on hanging in there. So there we you got go. Jacob Bean over here. All right. Um, <laughs> what yes. do you think, Zach? Yeah, honestly, and I, we were talking about this at pre-show. I was debating between Appa and somebody else. For So for the sake of this, I'll go with this other person. But for me, I think it shouldn't be a surprise you're a devout listener to this podcast. I think it's Katara. I think Katara, especially on a rewatch, honestly... Full disclosure, Katara was never one of my favorite characters of the two female characters that we have as part of Team Avatar. I almost always preferred Toph, and I even preferred preferred Azula as a character to Katara. But upon watching season one and just seeing her grow as a fighter, as a character, even her humor, I think Katara is like underrated as like comedic value because like I remember her most. We just talked about it. Her like roasting Sokka while he's trying to mac on Yue. I thought was pretty funny in the <laughs> yeah. finale. I think or maybe. It was the waterbending master but 
yeah, I just think Katara, just her growth. And like, Aang, I think, really comes into his own in season two. I think Zuko really comes into his own in season two. But Katara, I think, in season one, she just, she has a humor. She just so, she just develops into such a powerful waterbender. And I think, sadly, while she's still a main character, I think in season two, she kind of takes a back seat to the aforementioned Aang and Zuko. Of course, Toph's going to join the group, so she won't have as much shine as she usually has. But I think Katara in season one, I just really enjoyed her especially on a rewatch i was like wow guitar is a great character and i kind of wish i wasn't sleeping on her for so long but at least i rectified that mistake here so guitar is my mvp but oppa would have been my second choice so i think we're kind of on a similar wavelength here yeah, I, I think that uh, it's interesting because Katara does, I think, take a little bit of a backseat in book two. I think mm-hmm. Toph, whenever Toph comes in, uh, and Azula both, like, are yes. just such good characters that everyone yes. obviously has to go a little bit further back. But I think Katara comes roaring back in season three. I agree. Uh, I, think, I agree. And I even think, the finale of season two we talk about, she's a big, she's very central to yeah. a lot of the plot. So you're right. Yeah, so I definitely think that, uh, like, yes, Katara may not be the, uh, you know, the person that we're going to be uh, lauding the most in season two, but I think season three, she comes roaring back. And, you know, I think I'm not too upset if she gets the MVP, but I think my personal MVP there is uh, got to be Appa. And, and and to your point about Appa, we were talking, I was talking about this in the pre-show when you mentioned this. It's like Appa, I think sometimes the writers almost write themselves into a corner when it comes to this fight, when, when it comes to fights in the series, almost to like gas up these antagonists. It's like, we got to make the antagonist look good. We got to make them look like they have the team on their heels. And then usually it's going to be Appa coming in as like the literary term, I think, is deus ex machina when mm-hmm. a character should die but gets saved by some random occurrence. And in this case, or almost a lot of the cases in season one, it's usually Appa, whether he's flying for 14 hours or like coming through when with a huge airbending blast just when the group's about to get demolished by some antagonist. So I think you're absolutely right to have him as your MVP. And I really I struggled with this. I was like, oh, do I want to go up or do I want to go to guitar? I kind of whiffled and waffled back and forth. But I think Appa is a great choice. And yeah, he yeah. really provides so much support for the group. And like you said, like <laughs> I know you're talking about your advanced saber metrics here, but it's true. <laughs> Animal characters in television usually don't have much personality. And while Appa doesn't even say any words besides for one hallucination dream sequence, it's like D. Bradley <laughs> Baker, the voice actor for both Appa and Momo, as well as some other animal characters in television like perry the platypus he does such a good job like you really you can sense appa's emotions especially appa's lost days when we get to that mm, episode yeah. in season two that's an episode that focuses primarily on the time appa was separated from ang and even though he's a character who doesn't say any words you could sense emotion from him you like you know appa's motivations he'll put his life on the line for ang he'll do anything for him like a dog is man's best friend and you could see appa kind of has that quality with ang where he is ang's best friend by far like i don't get me wrong ang loves guitar he'll marry her ang loves Sokka. he loves Toph. he loves the gang but ang, like oppa is truly ang's best friend through thick and through thin and i feel like they'll be together forever even in the spirit world ang will be hanging with oppa yeah i, yeah, I think that there are uh two good choices for mm-hmm. mvp uh, i feel like there are a few good choices for the next word which is the least valuable uh person uh zach you want to start on this one or you want me to start here <laughs> well, initially, I was going to go with Bato. I was going to say he's the least okay. valuable. But you know what? I feel like that's kind of not necessarily a cop out, but I feel like that's not the best answer. I could do a little better than that. So I'll let you go first. Who you got for your least valuable character? 
I think it's got to be Admiral Zhao. You know, the Fire Nation has so many resources. Uh, he really should be doing a lot better, but he gets beat by a 16-year-old kid in Agni Kai. Uh, he gets stunted. He like he has the Avatar in his custody, and he's already, uh, you know, boasting about it to a scribe, saying that he's won right as the Avatar gets rescued. Later on, he's bragging about how, you know, he's the best ever. Like, he's giving himself all of these uh, laurels right before someone, uh, like, you know, mm-hmm. takes the moon back and he ultimately gets swallowed by swallowed by the uh, ocean spirit. And here I just think, like, you know, least valuable person has to go to uh, Admiral Zhao. And I honestly think that if a 14-year-old girl is going to come in and be like a hundred times better than you next season, that you just got to take the L on that one. See, and I think that's kind of the what sucks about Zhao. Is like Zhao is actually a good antagonist, but he is a little bit generic, Where whereas uh, Azula, as we've talked about a bunch, especially I've brought her up so many times, Azula is not the – she's a very atypical antagonist and she's not the type of character you see in media a lot you don't really mm-hmm. see a strong powerful especially young female the way azula like just how she operates very rare. like uh, the scene yeah. that i always think of when i think of azula is like the Dai Li man the leader of the Dai Li kneeling before her and like just actually just like conceding defeat essentially like he'd just been bested by azula because she just outmaneuvered him and just they, i always forget like it's like damn she's 14 years old and like she's just uh, just far and away a better antagonist than Zhao, but that's not to say Zhao is a bad antagonist. He just doesn't compare. He pales in comparison to Azula, sadly. Yeah. Who who do you have as your uh, least valuable player then? You know what? I'm going to go with uh, your girl. Your old, your uh, girl, your fawn. I'm going to go with Aunt Wu. I feel like, I feel like, she, she, yeah, I, I know it's a side character. She's not technically part of the gang, but yeah, I felt like Aunt Wu, she never really adds too much whenever she's on the screen and, I just felt like while she had provides a little bit of humor, I was just like, man, she's really sweet. Like, I thought Aunt Wu was what she was doing to these villagers. I thought it was immoral, I would say, even. Like, what she, okay. the fact, like, I thought what she was doing, just taking advantage of these villagers, straight up lying. She almost, if it wasn't for Aang, Sokka, and Katara, these people were going to die. Because, of, like, I mean, this is like a, a forgotten point of this episode almost. Like, if they went by Aunt Wu's predictions like they were, like they were following her religiously. Because Aunt Wu, at the end of the day, was like a cult leader that everyone was following. And had they listened to her, they all would have, like, drank the proverbial Kool-Aid a la Jonestown <laughs> and burned their eventual death. So, I feel like yeah. for those reasons, I'm going to give my least valuable pl- uh, player to Aunt Wu, but... Um, Bato, you, you, you ain't too valuable neither, fam. So. <laughs> no, I think that's totally fair. You know, Bato's boring, but Aunt Wu's actively harming someone. Exactly, so. yeah. yeah, yeah that, that, I, and that's why I thought Bato was a bad answer. So, whereas Aunt Wu, it's like, yeah, she's actually not, not a good person, I feel like. Yeah, I, uh, I'll accept that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one I think we'll have consensus on is the best episode. I think it's got to be Imprisoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we've talked about it so far, so we can maybe uh, skip through that. But I definitely yeah, think yeah. Imprisoned is the best of season one. Yeah, and I agree that in prison just takes all the boxes. Just such a yeah. great episode. Haru is a very, I think when Avatar, and they do this a lot, like Avatar has a lot of amazing side characters, honestly. Like for, for every Bato and Legend of Zelda NPC village, they have like 10 amazing side characters. <laughs> so like they do such a good job writing that. And I feel like a lot of these episodes where they have a very good plot as well as an entertaining, unique side character where you get all their motivations and why they operate the way they do. I think that makes for a great episode of Avatar. And 
100 percent we are in lockstep here because i also think imprisoned is the best episode of season one feel free to add us email us if you disagree you want to come to my dms and tell me why bottle of the water tribe is the best episode feel free you're wrong but whatever you want to tell me you hate the great divide (laughs) you can message us email us we take any and all criticism and feedback Oh, for sure. Uh, and I think you make a great point. The side characters are so rich. And I think mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. Uh, why this next one will be a fun one to talk about, which is the best side character. Uh, so who do you think is in contention? I think there are lots of side characters yes. that are really interesting in this season. Uh, like if we're talking, you know, the uh, like best characters, we have Boomy, uh, we have Zhang Zhan, we have, uh, yeah, we have the Mechanist. I think we've got lots yes. of people that I think are up there in there for me. Um, but yeah, yeah, I feel who, similarly. Even like the pirates that those antagonists, like I just liked how goofy they looked appearance wise, and I really enjoyed like the classic Saturday like cartoon villain vibe I got from them. I don't know if they're gonna make the cut over some of yeah. these heavy hitters, but there's a lot of side characters we could go for. Do you have Honestly, like a pool you want to narrow it down to, and then we just come to a conclusion? Yeah, so I, I think the three that I named uh, were like all ones that I think have to get some attention. But I had forgotten that Suki's only in one episode here. You know, at some point, I feel like she's part of Team Avatar, but I think mm-hmm. she's a side character at this point. And I think Suki's uh, one of the better ones. Uh, even though she only has one episode here, I think she will at least grow into one of the better side characters. Yeah, you are correct. But I feel like Suki, like, I mean, technically, she I think she is the best side character season one, but it's almost because of what she will end up doing in the series going forward. So for the sake of this exercise, I almost think like maybe we shouldn't answer Suki because I almost agree with you. It's like Suki is, I think, just a great side character. And I think she really like... Her being there, her being Sokka's love interest really improved Sokka as a character as well, because we saw in episode four, that's when like Sokka kind of sheds a lot of his sexism and starts to mm-hmm. respect females more. So yeah, I think Suki's up there. Hmm, I, this I'll is at tough, least give though. her the honorable mention, because I, I do yeah. think that, uh, you know, she only has one episode here, but she does uh, come yeah. back a lot of times. And I think by the end of the series, uh- she's like up there. Yeah, I don't know if you want to be simpatico here. I, I got, I got mine, I think. So if go you want to go first, you want to go first. I think no, no, no. for me, it's, um, for me, as much as I love Zhang Zhang, I thought he was an excellent character and just, I like, I like that episode a lot, especially on a rewatch. I was like, okay, this actually, like, I, it, I feel even more strongly about this episode than I did when I first watched it. I want to go with the mechanist here. I feel like okay. the mechanist, he's, he's just very similar to Aang in the sense that like he's gone through all of these struggles and yet he's still able to have like a smile on his face. He's still able to do all of this for his village to conceive all these inventions and just he's so hard at work. And I just, I really respected the mechanist as a character, even through in spite of his like flaws and him working with the big bads, Fire Nation and all that. I just, yeah, I really like the mechanist as a character. I really liked his struggle, what he went through and stuff. And that episode overall was another episode where I never really paid too much attention to it. And on my rewatch, I was like, damn, this is a great episode. So for a lot of those reasons, for the reason we talked about, like in that episode, in that podcast, as well as earlier today, I'm going to go with the mechanist. I think he was just a very fleshed outside character, which I like, even though you only see him for one episode, I feel like you learned so much about him. So, so what about yourself? Yeah, I kind of think it's Boomy for me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Boomy is that silly character. Like, it's the first time that you have, uh, like, a character in Avatar that's just, like, really fun and lovable. Like, it's the first, um, yeah, like, I guess you have Suki in Episode 4, but I think Episode 5, The King of Mashu, is, like, the first time that I really get into the series on the rewatch. Uh, and I think that, you know, seeing how silly he is, like, he's making all these jokes, like, uh, he's making a bunch of puns about lettuce, like, 
I think uh, I think I like him for those those reasons. Yeah, that he's and Boomy's up there for me. I think, especially on my first watch of Avatar, Boomy was one of my favorite characters. I always love like when he's getting um, when he's trapped in Homashu. It's revealed, or like when he gets imprisoned, he was revealed that he could have freed himself at any point. He just chose not to. <laughs> like I like yeah. that aspect around him, like earth bending with his like head and just like I loved him being super swole at age hundred and twelve. Like <laughs> him ripping off the robe to reveal his like chiseled physique. I was like oh shit like even as a kid when i watched that i was like damn this is a great moment so yeah boomy is up there for me 100 percent. i feel like he was definitely on my short list of people to consider for this but i'm still gonna give it to the mechanist as much as i love boomy he doesn't have like the motivation the mechanist has boomy's just kind of he's kind of like ang he's just a character that wants to have fun mess about have all these like wonderful adventures so yeah yeah, I, I think both of us chose some pretty good choices here. Yeah, I think that makes sense uh, to me. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, I think that's uh, probably like two of the better said side characters in season mm-hmm. one. Uh, cool. I think that's uh, the awards that we have for today. Um, but yeah, let's uh, maybe get into uh, the starting five on our basketball team. I know we've talked <laughs> about it a lot. We, we won't take too long on this, but I think it would be fun just to say who's in our starting five. Yeah, obviously, so, f- so for the non-sports yeah. listeners, like, sorry for this little segment we got here, but it's been a running joke on our podcast. We'll try to make it entertaining. But who do you want to put at the point guard position, uh, Jacob? I feel like it's got to be Aang. You know, he's I got agree. that. <laughs> he's got that airbending ball movement. It's got to be so hard to guard him. He's got the speed to get around everyone. I feel like he's going to be putting up triple doubles, uh, stat padding his way to an MVP. Yeah, Aang very much could have the Russell Westbrook aspect of it all, but I think he probably is even more efficient than a player like that. And I just think if Aang even you put Aang as a human in today, like. Ang as a 12 year old, he would be like, like Mike. He'd be like, like you put Ang into a 12 year old right now in the NBA, he'd be dropping 40 on LeBron's head. So I think Ang definitely has to be our starting point guard here. He's the crux of this team. Starting at shooting guard, who do you got? And now this is a bit silly because I don't know any of their names, but for my shooting guard, I want someone with deadly accuracy. I need someone who's just going to be a sniper okay, in the corner. Okay. And that's why I'm taking a Yu Yan Archer. Okay, so we got some Yu Yan Clay, some Yu Yan Clay Thompsons out here. Just they camp in the corner. They hit them with deadly accuracy. Ang's hitting them with some air ball, flashy passes. All right, all right. Well, okay. In that case, I I, I like that. Oh, that might not necessarily where I was gonna go, but I like no that reasoning. And I think for small forward, you know what? I'm gonna have Katara at the small forward position. Okay, I think she's done like. What she's been do, what she did in the fight with Paku, like her doing flips and all that stuff. That Qatar should be a good three and D player. If she's got water whips in either hand, I feel like as a <laughs> as an offensive player, I'm like, okay, how am I going to maneuver around these like water tentacles? I feel like <laughs> she'd yeah. be a good defender. I feel she she got a couple DPOYs in her future, so defensive player of the years. So yep. yeah, I, I'd go with Qatar for my small okay. forward. Who do you have at the four? Are we getting a stretch four here, Zach? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I think <laughs> we'll get the stretch. Four. We talked about it before. I think you know what? Unless you take the four, I'm going with the five. And you know, I'm going to put at the five position. I'm going to put Boomy. I feel like Boomy. He's big. He's like he's slow. Yeah. He can. I think Boomy can bang down low with the Shacks, with the Hakeems, with those guys. Like Boomy's yeah. the Boomy's who you want at center. He's far and away one of like the biggest people here. And then I think in a similar boat, I have somebody for power forward. But I'll let you say yours first, and then I'll respond. Actually, uh, no, no, no. Go, go ahead if you have someone. And you ready. know what I'm thinking of? I forget his name because I feel kind of bad. You know who Haru's father? I feel like what's his name? Do you remember? Okay. Uh, no, oh, no, no, not Haru. Or yeah, it is Haru. Haru's father. It is on Haru's your boat. father. Yes. Oh man, 
We have to come up with it. Yeah, I know. Peru's you know what? I mean, if, you, if I wanted to Google it quickly, my apologies to Maddie is going to be a, a pain to edit. Let's see his name. Tyro. Tyro. I want Tyro. Tyro. And the reason I want Tyro is because is Tyro the tallest individual? No. But I feel like in basketball, like, and I, I play basketball, I coach basketball. Sometimes you want a player who's a little shorter at one of these big positions because they have a lower center of gravity. He, Tyro is another person who look built. He's strong. I feel like he'll be a beast on the glass. I see Tyro as like my Charles Barkley, just inhaling rebounds <laughs> like they're sandwiches, just boxing people out. He might not, he might be at a height disadvantage, but I feel like that's who I want on my team. I want so my starting five. I think we got Ang. We got one of the Yuyan archers <laughs> hitting these threes. We got Katara as a small forward. We got Tyro and Boomy just on the glass as like a twin tower type thing. Even though Tyro is not necessarily a tower, but yeah, that's my team. That's why I like that. <laughs> I'm happy with I, that. I, th- I think we're going 82 and 0 with that team. Quite frankly, I agree. I originally was going to say yeah. Boomy was going to be the Dennis Rodman, great, oh, uh, great player, good. but just very eccentric. Yeah, so Boomy like just coming in with his like hair painted ball or blonde and all that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I could see it. I could see it. Boomy just coming in with Madonna on his side, just walking into the studio. I'd be like, Katara would have a big game. Everybody would be talking about Boomy. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. Yeah, no. and, and coached by Uncle Ira, right? Uh, yeah, true. I, well, sure. I kind of, right. I, maybe I was self-inserting myself. I want to coach this team. I feel like, okay. It'll, okay. Be, it'll be like kind of like Steve. Like, I feel like there's a lot of coaches who have really good teams and then they just don't have to do no work. And I feel like with this star-studded roster, I can just take a back seat and chill while the team just goes off. So that's right. why I go with Zach. overall. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I, this <laughs> Uncle, Uncle fun, Zach so. is the coach. We'll go with it. I mean, I'll have Iro as my assistant, and uh, we'll have somebody else on the roster as well. All right, that sounds perfect yeah. to me. Uh, I can be the bench warmer. That sounds <laughs> nah, like no. Nah, uh, you could be my. We be we could be on my coaching staff too. Okay, I feel thank like. you. Yeah, thank no you. worries, no worries. Jacob, uh, you could be the general manager putting the team together. Maybe when Boomy's <laughs> acting up and is just too much of a locker room cancer, you can trade him away. So I'll let you be the mastermind behind the All scenes. All right. That, with your saber met with your wins over replacement animals. I know you got the advanced analytics on your side. So of course, of course, I, do. <laughs> I think right, that's well. enough sport. Like we have fun. I know me and Jay's big sports guys. Some of the listeners are not. We, I, hopefully this segment was not too long for people, but that's all for the sports talk. So yeah. Uh, now the last thing I want to end on is, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about how great season two is for so long now. And I think that there's lots of things to look forward to. So I wanted to make a Mount Rushmore. Of the four things we're most excited for for season two. We won't start next week. Uh, next week, we're actually going to be joined by Josh Wiggler and Kevin Mahadeo as we break down the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, but even to build anticipation starting now, I just wanted to get us started to the top four things we're looking forward to. So, Zach, are there any things that have to hit the Mountain Rushmore? Yes, there's two, and you know, I think we can almost slot them as to one on the Mountain Rushmore because we've talked about them so much. Azula and Toph have to be there. If you have want them be. both in their own slots, that's fine. We can have, like, some weird two-headed statue of both of them, but if you want to separate them and have them take up two slots of these four, you have to have both of them. Toph's just such a good character. Blind Bandit is what really got me into this show. I feel like if I was ever to show anybody a first episode of avatar where like the humor really lands as well as the action as well as like the interesting fights i think blind bandit is the episode i go to toff's introductory episode and yeah toff is just such an amazing character she adds so much to the group a different dynamic just her off-brand sense of humor her being blind and the fact that she just is able to fight in that style and is able to metal bending and all the stuff toff brings to the table and i'll let you wax a little bit of poetic about azula right now too so 
Yeah, Azula is the antagonist that any show hopes to get. Azula is the antagonist that, you know, you love to root against. Uh, the character is so complex. Uh, she has that sort of like evil sense about her where you want to root against her. But at the same time, uh, she's just so cool. She has that epic blue fire yes. instead of the orange that we've seen. And it just immediately sets her apart as being one of the most powerful people. Uh, in the universe. And I think that the character she has, the ruthless nature uh, of Azula is something that really makes this show so much more rich. Yeah. And especially because I talked about this before, but like there are very few female antagonists like that. I feel like there are very few female antagonists that are built up the way Azula is. Mm. And yeah, just the fact that she can bend lightning, do all the stuff she does and great Delia, like the avatar, the voice acting performances in avatar are amazing. The whole series, like I think uh, Mako does an amazing job. My Whitman, everybody does such an amazing job with their voice acting. But I think uh great Delia as uh um, Azula just nails the role. Like, she just knocks it out of the park. Far and away, in my opinion, the best voice acting performance of the whole series. She just completely, she actually does TikToks dressed up as Azula I've seen where she's yes. reciting lines in character and she still has the voice. And yeah, it just fits the character so perfectly. And it's just, she has everything you want in an antagonist. And I think one of my hot takes about Avatar is like, Ozai is a pretty shit antagonist, I think. Ozai really, like, or like, he's not, like, there's not too much about Ozai. Like, he, they don't really build up Ozai as an antagonist. And I kind of feel like almost the finale suffers a little bit because we don't wait once we eventually get there. I feel like there are some, th- like, Avatar has a great finale and a great ending. And I feel like they really put a bow on the series as a whole. But I think there's some things in the finale I don't love. And one of those things is like, yeah, I got, like, while um Ozai is, um, is the big antagonist of the whole series, I think Azula is the true antagonist of Avatar The Last Airbender up until the end. Even like the fight that really resonates me always is never the fight between Aang and uh, Ozai, which is great, but it's Azula and Zuko dueling. That's what I always go back to as one of the best fights of season three. Yeah, I agree. Ozai is like the disembodied voice that sits behind and is like the intimidating person. And it's fun that in a a show that's full of kids and going on these misadventures, that the person chasing after them is not the disembodied uh, voice of Ozai or like Ozai coming out. It's Azula doing it. And I think this is like an intentional choice that they made. Uh, Originally, Ozai was going to be the one chasing Team Avatar, but Mm -hmm. instead they had Admiral Zhao step in. And then for season two and three, they had Azula. And I think that was a great choice. So I think it's pretty clear we have Toph and Azula as our one and two. Is there anything else that has to make it? I have a few things in mind. Uh, I think I've got three things that we, I think- we can brainstorm a little bit. But what I want to say is like Zuka and Iroh's plot as a whole. I don't know how to yep. put this on a Mount Rushmore, how exactly to word this. But just I think like in season one, some of their storylines don't necessarily land for me. I mean, most of them do. Actually, like, for example, with the Bottle of the Water Trap episode, again, keep talking about it. But I think their plot line in that was pretty good overall. But I think when you really see them travel like, and you see Zuko's going from Roy Loyalty to living in abject poverty. And I think Iroh, the fact that how Iroh's able to acclimate to this so easily and Zuko isn't, is kind of funny too. Iroh slowly builds his own tea house and all that as like they work their way up from the poverty. I just, I love their storyline there. And I think there's so much like 
so much to dig into once we eventually get to that, as well as, of course, what Aang and all of them are doing traveling through the Earth Kingdom, like as well. But I just think Zuku and Iroh, like, they're like what it, all their storyline just really takes it up a notch in season two. So that's something doesn't have to necessarily go on the Mount Rushmore, but that's just something I'm super excited to see yeah, going forward. That, that was definitely one of my top things. Another thing I think that's pretty connected to mm-hmm. that is uh, the lore of Bossing Say. Uh, yes. We get like the Dai Li and like Lao Guy, and we get this uh, lame Fire Nation, or sorry, Earth uh, Kingdom king who's just like sitting up there doing essentially nothing. And I think that lore, as we see Azula infiltrate the city and we see how corrupt the city is, really is uh, interesting. I feel like that is something that I really appreciate. Uh, I feel like that's something else that can make it, maybe not on the final list, but definitely mm-hmm. up there. One thing that I think has to make the Mount Rushmore is the episode Tales of Bossing Say. Yes. I think that is my most anticipated episode. It's like a bunch of vignettes. Um, and I think that even though like we have things that span the whole season, this episode alone does such a good job of encapsulating where everyone is at the time. It tells a bunch of short stories. And at the end of it, I feel like you have like a different sense about all of the characters uh, and I feel like these vignettes are the thing that I'm um, like one of the mo- things I'm most looking forward to. So I'd say it has to make the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, we, we could slot that on the Mount Rushmore as well. Tales of Bossing, Tales of Bossing Say is one of the most universally critically acclaimed episodes of the whole series, especially like every, I remember every vignette clearly in my head. I remember Toph and Katara. I remember Sokka with the poetry. I remember Aang freeing the animals from the zoo. And of course, Iroh and the little soldier boy and like that's such a sad and heartfelt moment you really feel for Iroh you can see why Iroh is not as invested in the war anymore like maybe in his younger days he might you know have been just really adamant about getting Bossing Say but as soon as his like son the love of his life passes away you can really sense the pain and like honestly that's the type of episode that makes you tear up when you watch it you know what I mean so they do such an amazing job and like like you said to your point you come out when you after seeing all these vignettes you feel like you have a deeper understanding of the characters as a whole so you know what we'll definitely slot that in slot three on our Mount Rushmore 100% one other thing I wanted to just uh, throw out there I think probably the Zuko uh, Iroh storyline where they go from you know uh, Banished Prince to like tea shop owners probably the last thing but I just want to another honorable mention out there is May and Ty Lee's characters mm-hmm. I really I think they're great uh, uh, they're like essentially the equivalent of Team Avatar for Azula and I think they're really fun uh, characters to have come along yeah, I think they are too. I mean, honestly, I've never been the biggest May fan. We talked about this in our Patreon Discord where Jacob was like, oh, this is the biggest disagreement we've ever had. <laughs> because I said I'm not the biggest my May. I forget her exact name fan, but I like Tylee. I really like Tylee's fighting style in particular, just the way she immobilizes people. So I, I am very excited to see them as characters. Even my May as well. I really like her like knife throwing. I do feel like almost, I kind of wish she had a different weapon because I feel like you know the knives are knives are never going to really land because knives are a deadly weapon and Avatar is a children's show after all. So while it's cool to see her like wielding them, it's almost like I'm like, ah, it's never going to like be a big, th-. you know what I mean? Like she's never yeah. going to land a cleat thing. I kind of wish she, even they made it, maybe they made it like immobilizing things that can hit people, like pierce the skin, but not kill. You know what I mean? Yeah, she does that thing where she'll like uh, throw knives and like pin people's clothes yes. to the pole so they can't get yes. through. But yeah, I think I think the Mount Rushmore is pretty clear as we've been talking about it. I think it's mm-hmm. Azula, Toph, uh, the episode, the Tales of Bossing Say, and then the storyline from Zuko and Iroh. 
those are things yep. that uh, make season two what they are. And I'm super excited to get into them with you uh, mm-hmm. starting in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm super excited. I've rewatched season two so many times. I can't even count at this point. So I'm excited. I have a good base of knowledge for it. But at the same time, I know we're wrapping up season one and man, I really enjoyed season one overall on this rewatch. I thought it does, it does a really good job setting the stage for season two. Like, yes, like Sarah said, like most people prefer season one over or season two over season one, of course. But if it wasn't for season one, we wouldn't, if it was for a lot of the plot points introduced in season one, we wouldn't have the like high highs we hit in season two. But I'm excited to, cause I feel like there's a string of episodes where it's just like four, four, 3.8, 3.9, four, four. <laughs> like for me, at least on my personal ranking so well uh i think that we've uh really like done a lot uh to recap season one i think we had a lot of fun going through it with uh you know just talking through it going through the awards and of course our starting five of the team uh (laughs) as well as breaking down season two that starting five is killing it man we're going 80 if we're that's if that Uh, team existed in real life as they are in the show we're going 82 or no easily (laughs) we ain't losing a game we got we got my coaching your saber metrics we got it all i feel like (laughs) exactly uh that's all that we have uh this week but uh next week we're super excited to welcome josh and kevin on i know i said this earlier but i'm so excited i'm gonna say it again we're watching the m night Shyamalan movie uh the trash heap that it is and we'll be breaking uh, Jacob, down. I have a question have you ever seen them this movie in full because i never have actually i never like you know i was like okay this movie's crap i can tell even from the trailer and from like what few clips i've seen but have you ever seen it in full because i have not uh, yeah, so I have to say Ooh. that I was a very big Avatar The Last Airbender fan uh, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I remember this movie coming out. In fact, I uh, watched this movie with my friend Chris. Uh, we, I think that it came out over the summer, uh, obviously on a Friday. We went the day it came out to the theater with me, Chris, and my dad. We were so excited to watch it, and we both left, and we were like, huh. That sucked, <laughs> even as like 10 year old. So uh, it must have been like a trash movie. I've not seen yeah, it since then. And I feel like there's a lot of movies I watched when I was younger that were really bad, but I enjoyed still like I enjoyed in my youth. And then as I grew older, I was like, oh, that movie's pretty bad. So like for you as a 10 year old to walk out of it, say, oh, this is a bad movie. Then I feel like that really speaks on how crap the movie is. But yeah. I'm very excited. I think we've done a good job. Like we've had good podcasts talking about episodes of the show that are lackluster compared to some of the other episodes. And I think we're talking about the most lackluster piece of Avatar media by <laughs> far. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun talking about that with Josh and Kevin. Kevin is famous for like a lot of his rants on podcasts. And I feel like he's going to have a lot to say about them butchering the characters. I will as well. There's so much they did wrong and pretty much nothing they did wrong right so yep uh but so definitely any feedback you have for that episode please do write it in because i'm sure it is going to be just an extravaganza of trashing on that movie and i'm very excited to get to that and and to promote our little feed again that's working you can also leave us any five-star review at avatar no postshowrecaps.com slash atla is that correct jacob that is correct you can also go uh on almost any uh podcast catcher and look for ang in there and it should show up. Uh, cool. Yeah. It, as always, yeah, definitely smash those five star reviews. Write yes. in avatar at poshorecaps.com. Tweet at us at poshorecaps. And also find Zach. Uh, Zach, where can people 
search you out on the internet? You can find me at ZachMohammed32. I have not been tweeting too much. Been a very busy past couple of weeks with moving and Christmas and all that stuff. But if you want to slide in my DM, say whatever you want, I read all of it. And thank you so much to all the support you guys have for the show. What about yourself, Jacob? Where can they find you? People can find me at JK Redman. Uh, I've been tweeting about uh, how I don't like the Mandalorian. So, uh, oh, really? Hot takes? Interesting. Yeah, the Mandalorian look kind of, honestly like, and I don't want to draw the ire of these Star Wars fans, but look pretty meh to me myself. I feel like I don't what? really care. I don't. I don't care for Disney releasing like these twenty million series. To me, it just seems like <laughs> one big cash grab. I feel like Disney's <laughs> lost a lot of what made it great. Come at me, Disney stands. I don't care. You guys are wow, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm shooting yeah, shots. I don't uh, care. Well, yeah, gone, come but. come at me. I don't care. Shooting like I, I'm not even going to debate. Like you get, you can at me and tell me I'm wrong. I don't care. My opinion's going to stay like that till the dawn of time. Like I think modern <laughs> Disney is just crap. Like I don't know. I don't care all for right. it at all. Well, there you go. So I guess Avatar, <laughs> Avatar or modern Disney takes you can uh, take to <laughs> Zach Muhammad thirty two, and uh, yeah. that's all we have for you this time. So before we make any other fandom too upset, I think we should uh, head out. <laughs> Zach. Before I just piss off somebody else, but yeah, thanks yeah. a lot for all of you who've been on this journey through with us through season one, and yeah, season two we're gonna have guests out the wazoo. We're gonna have such good time. Maybe new segments. We're gonna brainstorm some stuff, and we're gonna come back with our show hanging. There's gonna be bigger and better with this starting with 2021 so i'm Love very it. excited with all of it see you next time peace out guys bye Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.